This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Vermont discussing a potential murder on the high seas. Then, we'll talk about a murder that led to changes in Vermont's DNA system. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Green Mountain State. The odds of you being trapped on a sinking ship are extremely low thanks to today's advances in safety and technology. However, there are still occasional disasters and people with ulterior motives. If you ever find yourself on a sinking ship or boat, here are some safety tips. Firstly, do not panic. Make sure that everyone is accounted for and stays with the boat. Do not immediately try to swim to shore. Most trailer-sized vessels will remain afloat even when flooded or overturned. Staying with the boat can help the Coast Guard find you. Never swim away from a capsized boat unless it's drifting directly toward a hazard. It's the largest and most visible object in the water. That's what you stick with. Make sure that no one's injured, and if you see a life jacket, put it on. If you can't put it on, hold on to it and make the other passengers do the same. Retrieve as many supplies as possible, such as flares, distress signals, and flotation devices. Find anything that floats and tether it to the boat to make a bigger target for the people searching for you. If the boat is floating, try to climb into the hull to reduce exposure to water. Water steals body heat 25 times faster than air does. If you're with other passengers, huddle together to stay warm. Now these are tips in case of a disaster, and it doesn't exactly cover today's case because, well, you'll see. So I almost covered this case for Rhode Island because a portion of it happens off the coast of Rhode Island, but since someone involved lives in Vermont, and I had a case already. I'm like, I'll save it for for this, because Vermont's a hard one to find Um, cases for. I'm super intrigued by that opening. Yeah. Well, this case really goes all over New England. It's small up there, but not as small as we determined last week when I thought it was like an hour and a half. This is true. Anyway. Also, before you get started, a little sidebar, did you see where a rogue wave hit a cruise ship and killed somebody and injured a bunch of people? No. Yes. Where was that? It just, let me look. Like it just happened today? No, no, no. Like just in the last few days. Antarctic cruise. Yes. A rogue wave strikes cruise ship, killing one and injuring four others. Oh my God. Two days ago. It's probably some cold water. A rogue wave? I'm like, is this? She was hit by broken glass. Uh, what? When the wave broke cabin windows oh. during a late late Tuesday night storm. That must have been really powerful then. Uh, yeah. You didn't cover that in your How to Survive a Ship <laughs> from a glass, yeah. <laughs> but could you, I mean, for a window to break and kill you? That's got to be hard. Well, waves are not, oh my God. Anyways, sorry. Continue. I didn't mean to interject. Oh, no. no. Cruise yeah. ship. Yeah. yeah they normally wave. have rafts for you, but when you're hit in the face with glass, that, mm-hmm. that goes under the disaster that you can't really prepare for. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's just, awful. It's rogue. 
Yeah. So in the morning of December 20th, 2013, a wealthy Chesterfield, New Hampshire real estate developer named John Chocolos was found dead. The 87-year-old man had been shot in his Connecticut home. John, along with his wife Rita, were very wealthy, to say the least. But they were known as giving and charitable. So he was shot in his Connecticut home, but they had a home in New Hampshire that was over 15,000 square feet. 15,000. I can't even fathom that. That's me either, but I want to. And it was on 88 acres. Oh, wow. Which is a lot of land for New Hampshire. I mean, I know it's, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just (laughs) acting like I know. Anyway, they're really rich people. Really rich. Really rich. In a nutshell. (laughs) He was known for his development of several nursing home and care facilities throughout New England. Oh, yeah. that's, That's good money. So there's money there. Yeah. He also had a modest house, a modest house in Connecticut that served as his office space. What was it, like 5,000 square feet? The square footage didn't say for this. I'm like, was it modest? Was it? Once John's wife passed away from cancer, his four daughters encouraged him to spend more time in Connecticut to be closer to them. His wife only passed away a month before him. And like I said, he had four daughters named Valerie, Elaine, Charlene, and Linda. He was an active man who was still very much involved with his work, and he was very close with his family. So on December 20th, Elaine decided to drop by John's house to pay her dad a visit sometime around 8 a.m. She went inside and found him shot in his bed. He had been shot three times in the head. It looked like he had been asleep, but three times. That's a bit of an overkill. Yeah. It's true he had a lot of money, but he didn't have any enemies. The murder didn't make sense, and it didn't look like a robbery. And it's so sad for his four daughters right before Christmas. That's awful to lose both your parents. They lost their mom in November. Five days before Christmas, they lose their father. Just so sad. So unfortunately, there were no leads, at least to the knowledge of the daughters. And the case remained unsolved. They put up a $250,000 reward for any answers in his murder. John's $47 million fortune was set to be divided among his four daughters through a family trust. Each of the daughters did have some control over their beneficiaries, and John encouraged Linda to make her son Nathan the beneficiary of hers. Makes sense. It's her only son. At that Mm -hmm. point, he was a teenager. She was divorced, so, so she did. And Linda was very dedicated to her son Nathan. She and his father divorced when he was younger, and he spent most of his time with her. Nathan had autism and displayed above-average intelligence. In school, he consistently earned high honors, but he was not very good socially. At school, he was described as a loner who would aggressively challenge teachers. One of his classmates said he was very passionate about the Second Amendment and believed U.S. citizens should be allowed to buy any form of weapons, any form of weapons, including rocket launchers, automatic weapons, and grenades. He's like, that's... What? I mean, that's a bit much. That's a... That's taken the Second Amendment pretty far. It's not Rambo. Yeah. He did have psychiatrists and therapists who helped him. And with their help, he was able to find his own way. When he was younger, he preferred the company of adults instead of kids his own age. And he formed his strongest emotional attachments to animals. Same. (laughs) Specifically, a white Irish sport horse named Cruz 
that his grandfather had bought for him. So Linda was known as a giver, and she would spend a lot of her time helping other families with autistic children. In 2010, Nathan insisted on moving out. Linda still wanted to be able to keep an eye on him, so they ended up compromising on him staying in an RV parked in the driveway. Nathan loved to go fishing, and while she wasn't that into it herself, she went with him because that's how they bonded. Once during a fishing trip in the Canadian wilderness, their canoe flipped over and they were forced to swim ashore. I cannot imagine. That, I don't ever want to be in the Canadian wilderness. No. That sounds terrifying. Although their animals are probably a lot nicer than American wilderness. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The bears are like, hey, it's all right. Stupid. (laughs) All right. On September 17th, 2016, Linda Carmen and her son Nathan Carmen went on a fishing trip, specifically a tuna fishing trip. And these suckers are big. Those are huge. Yeah, they're humongous. Well, Linda had just turned 54 and Nathan was 22. They left a marina in South Kingstown, Rhode Island, and headed to Block Island on Nathan's 31 foot aluminum boat named the Chicken Pox. That's hilarious. (laughs) Don't love it. I don't know. Chicken chicken pox. pox. Right before leaving, Linda had texted a family friend that she and Nathan would be back by morning. Well, they didn't return the next day, so her friend alerted the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard searched for them in ships, helicopters, and planes, and after finding absolutely nothing after six days, they suspended their search. There were many theories about what may have happened, but people who had seen the boat before they went fishing said that it was in good shape and was equipped with an emergency transmitter that could send a distress signal and location directly to the Coast Guard. So like if something was going wrong, there's basically a button you can push and it will know where you, you know are. know where you're at, yeah. So it's really weird that this boat in 2016 could just be totally missing without a trace. And there's no sign of it. It should have at least been floating a little bit, or there'd be debris or something. Then, on September 25th, which was eight days after they left the marina, a freighter ship spotted something in the waters. A man, which turned out to be Nathan, was on a raft adrift on the Atlantic Ocean. What? Yes. So this was 100 miles from the coast of Rhode Island. They pulled him up, and he told them his boat sank, and he was not able to find his mother. He said on the second day of their fishing trip, he heard a funny noise in the engine compartment and saw water coming in. He said the boat sank in a matter of minutes, and that he blew a whistle and called out frantically for his mother for hours with no sign of her. So this is September in the Northeast, 100 miles off the coast in the ocean, And it defied all odds that he survived seven days of just floating on a raft. So now what do you think this drew even more attention to? John's murder. I was going to say. unsolved murder. Yeah. So turns out plenty of people were already suspicious of Nathan after the shooting, before the boat trip, before the fishing trip. Some of the relatives had even hired armed guards because they were afraid of him. What? Yeah. He had past behaviors of violence, including holding another child hostage with a knife when he was a child. Oh, yeah, my God. 
And this isn't exactly violent, but to me it was disturbing. That's pretty messed up. On Halloween in 2009, he decided to hand out tricks instead of treats to children. He handed out Ziploc bags filled with fish guts. Oh my god. I know. Because of this, a parent of a trick-or-treater called the police. I can imagine some parent losing her mind over this. In 2010, his beloved horse died of colic, and things really went downhill. Cruz was his only friend, and after he died, Nathan became despondent. He stopped talking to Linda, his mom, and had what she said a psychotic episode at school. He began having paranoid delusions and was getting religiously fixated. He thought that his vice principal was Satan, as in not a joking, they're Satan, like he thought they were Satan, and that the school secretary was an agent of the devil. Always goes back to demons. I know. So these types of behaviors are not characteristic of autism. You don't just suddenly snap and things like this happen when you're autistic. So there was something else going on for sure. He was put in a rehabilitation center for a while and the doctor said he wasn't psychotic and he wasn't schizophrenic. Once he was released, he ran away from home. So at this time he was 17, so there was a search. Police found him four days later and once he got back to his RV, he barely left. He would even pee in water bottles to avoid leaving it. Oh my god. Yeah. It was also brought to light that Nathan was a suspect in John's murder, even though no one had ever been arrested. A search warrant said Nathan was the last person to have seen John alive, and he had dinner with him the night before, and he also discarded his computer and hard drive and GPS around the time of the shooting. Nathan also couldn't account for his whereabouts that evening, and no one had seen him. When police searched his apartment, they found a gun locker in his bedroom with a Remington shotgun, but that was not the gun used. But police found out that right before John was killed, Nathan purchased a Sig Sauer, probably saying that wrong, Mm. Patrol 716 assault rifle, which matched the weapon used to shoot John. Police asked him where the gun was, and he was like, oh, I lost it. A $3,000 gun. You don't lose a gun. And that, no, I just lost it. Sir, you did not just lose that. That's not a tiny little pistol. They also found handwritten notes about, quote, self-propelled improvised explosive devices. No idea. Sniper rifles on aerial video stabilizing platforms. Who knows what he was doing with that? Well, his neighbors told police they called him murder boy. Oh, my God. They were afraid of him and thought he was a time bomb waiting to go off. Well. His computer hard drive was missing, so they couldn't find any evidence, and the weapon was still missing. They had nothing to pin the murder on. It was just suspicion. Mm -hmm. Linda's three sisters thought something was fishy. No pun intended. But for real, they wondered why he never activated the emergency transmitter on the boat, and the Coast Guard never found a single piece of wreckage. Yeah, that's... I mean, I get maybe the wreckage part because sometimes they don't run, right. but like you would have, yeah, that? you would have activated that. Yeah, and they also said that Nathan was hostile toward his mother for years. He would scream at her over small things, and they couldn't ignore the fact that with her gone, he stood to inherit at least seven million dollars. Oh, These weren't small; like this is. Right. 
I mean, we always say like, that's not enough to kill someone over and nothing is, but I mean, like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And he didn't have a job. He had squandered all of his money on other things. So, I mean, he needed some cash. He refused to cooperate with authorities, even though his mom was still missing at sea. Wouldn't you think the first thing he would want was to find her? Exactly. I will do anything you need me to do. So he lived alone at this point in a white colonial house in South Vermont. And there, authorities had a hard time finding anyone who had even spoken with him for more than a minute or two. No one really knew him. He had no friends. Mm -hmm. His family didn't like him. But still, there was no body. So there was no reason to charge him with Linda's murder. In July of 2017, Linda's sisters filed a slayer action against Nathan in civil court. So in this case, the burden of proof is lower and circumstantial evidence holds more weight. Mm -hmm. The main gist of this was that they didn't believe that Nathan should receive any of Linda's inheritance. They couldn't accuse him of murdering Linda, so instead they accused him of murdering his grandpa because they didn't have proof that Linda was dead. Right. So the petition alleged that Nathan could not account for his whereabouts between midnight and 8 a.m. on the night his grandfather was killed, and that Nathan and John argued about money before John's murder. It stated that Nathan refused a polygraph test, and that he purchased a rifle that used the same caliber of bullets used to kill John. So this Slayer case has only just begun in probate court, and Linda's sisters have said that if they win... They will donate Nathan's inheritance to charity. It's not about the money for them. Right. They just want the truth to be revealed about their father and sister. And yeah. they don't think he deserves any of it if that was his motive or if he did it in the first place. Finally, this year, in May of 2022, Nathan was arrested on the charge of first-degree murder in the death of his mother, Linda. He was also charged with multiple accounts of fraud. So they pretty much believed he attempted to defraud the company that insured his fishing boat. So how how did they charge him with his mother's death if there was nothing found? Well, there was a break in the case when it was discovered that right before the fishing trip, Nathan had altered his boat. Oh. Yeah. It was a perfectly good boat. But he removed two forward bulkheads and trim tabs from the transom of the hull. I don't know boat stuff, but I read enough to know that these repairs are totally unnecessary. Uh And it just leaves you with holes in your boat just above the Mm waterline. Yep. And trim tabs provide stability and control for your boat. So there'd be absolutely no reason to get rid of them. No. And an expert testified that if he had seen this boat on the water he would have told the owner to get it out immediately. What he did to the boat made it unseaworthy. And he had it insured before he made these changes, and the insurance company said in that condition they would have never insured this boat. According to Nathan's timeline, he spent a full seven days at sea in his life raft, on his life raft, but the captain of the Orient Lucky, the freighter that picked him up, Uh said Nathan was neither dehydrated nor hypothermic when he was found. Like, he was in good shape. Yeah, like, why are you lying? Yeah, skeptics who watched the video footage of his rescue wondered why he looked relatively healthy after spending a week on a raft that was a little bigger than a doghouse. Survival experts said, surviving this isn't impossible, but they would have expected him to be in way worse condition. You wouldn't just look great. No. Healthy, great, you're just... 
you lose weight so quickly when you're yeah have nothing to drink you're just nothing on a raft to, yeah no you'd be f- well, look at those people in like naked and afraid. They're oh, out there for what twenty no. days, and they lose like seventeen pounds. I would have had a heart attack from just thinking a shark was going to eat me. Listen, I, there's mm. if convicted of murder on the high seas, Nathan Carmen faces mandatory life imprisonment. The fraud charges each carry a potential penalty of up to thirty years of imprisonment. He will be in custody until his trial. And I'm not sure why, but they keep pushing his trial date back. So still to this day, Linda's body has never been found and the boat's never been recovered. That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. It makes me wonder if he blew it up somewhere or something or, I mean. With her on it? I mean. It's it's hard to know. It's like he sank it, but how did he how did he make it so there's no no wreckage? And then does that mean he actually didn't sink it when he said he did right? because he was in good shape. So there's just a lot of mysteries. It's very, it's all over. Yeah. So that's my case. Well, I hate a story when the son kills the mom. <laughs> I know. I know. It's awful. Well, and he was very close with yeah. his grandpa. Yeah. He was the firstborn grandson. You know They he were was. very close. Yeah. He was allegedly crushed when his grandma Rita died. So- I don't know. You just the whole never, thing's weird. You yeah. just never know. You just I mean, never know what somebody's money means a lot more <sighs> to some people than family. Just well, saying. That's very true. All right, are you ready for mine? Twenty-eight-year-old Patricia Ann Scoville or Patty had been living in Stowe, Vermont, just twenty days before she went missing on October twenty-first, nineteen ninety-one. She had recently moved to Vermont from Massachusetts after a career change. She had grown up in New York and graduated in 1981 from Honeo Central High School. Probably butchered that too. They'll let us know. <laughs> she was last seen riding her green bike, a 10-speed, leaving a bank in Stowe. Her roommate Annette reported her missing after she failed to return home from her ride. That same day, a couple reported seeing a green bike left unattended at Moss Glen Falls, which is an area known for hiking and picnicking. Hmm. So it's not necessarily strange to see just like a bike on the, you know, but they just were like, it's been there a long time. We're going to call the police, blah, blah, blah. Weird enough. It's weird enough. Yeah. So a formal search began the next morning on October 22nd with police, local volunteers, and other emergency personnel. On October 24th, they find her bike, gloves, and water bottle. And six days after that, Patty was found in Moss Glen Falls under some leaves and branches. She had been hit in the back of the head, had been raped, and strangled. Mm. It appeared she had been murdered to cover up the rape, possibly. Mm -hmm. The medical examiner determined the cause of death to be asphyxia and ruled it a homicide. So, like, she was strangled. Right. They took several samples of DNA from Patty's body, but there was no suspect, no witnesses, and the case would remain unsolved until 2005. So, Howard Godfrey 
bludgeoned a woman in the back of the head with a mallet and threatened her with a shotgun and was arrested and convicted in 1997 of aggravated assault. In April of the next year, 1998, Patty's parents persuaded the Vermont lawmakers to allow the state to be a part of the national database system and requires the Department of Corrections to collect DNA samples from felons convicted of violent crimes. So I didn't know that. I thought when you were arrested, your DNA was just collected. It is not. Wow. Yeah, no. I guess I thought that too. No. In they finger, no, they fingerprint you, oh. but they can't take your DNA. Wow. It's Some, like a state by state yeah, thing. Yeah. So they persuaded the court wow. that anyone that was convicted of a violent crime, that their DNA automatically gets okay. put into the, to the database. So in May of 99, the FBI receives a DNA sample from Patty's murder and stores it in the national database. On January 21st of 2000, they take that blood sample from Howard Godfrey because he had been a convicted felon mm-hmm. of a violent crime. So they take his blood. In February of 2005, it is finally entered into the federal DNA database. And five days later, it matched Patty. Wow. So in March of the same year, the Vermont State Police drive to New Orleans, where he is living now, and collect a cigarette butt that he had thrown out from the place that he worked. It's always that or a cup. It's always. So two days later, they discover that they match and police place Godfrey under arrest for the murder of Patty. Mm. So it's not enough to have like a DNA match in the system, they need, I guess, another one. So that's why they'll do that. They yeah. have fingerprints or probable cause or whatever. They just need to get the DNA. Mm-hmm. He pleads not guilty, of course, in district court in Hyde Park. On November 14th, a judge ruled that the FBI could test his hair without extra observation. So I guess the defense was trying to block that. Mm-hmm. Like, you have enough you don't mm-hmm. need to test this too, but the judge was like, "No, we're going to test him wow. from up to down. We want his toenails clipped. We want yeah, no, not I mean, really, but just in case. they were like, just in case we don't want to mess this up. We already have two hits, you know. Yeah, we're not going to mess this up. So the defense and prosecution fight back and forth for two years, and finally in 2008, Godfrey is charged with aggravated murder after more than 30 witnesses testified in his trial and after two hours of jury deliberation, this is an automatic sentence of life in prison without parole. Patty's family lobbied the Vermont legislature for the creation of the first DNA database to track down violent offenders, which was set up in 1998. So far, the combined DNA index system, or CODIS, Mm -hmm has identified more than 175 violent offenders in Vermont. The state's DNA database was officially renamed the Patricia Scoville Memorial CODIS Laboratory after Patty. In December of 2013, Howard Godfrey was found dead in his prison Mm. cell at the age of 67. He appeared to have died of natural causes at the Southern State Correctional Facility. I just found that very interesting that 
because her parents would not give up, mm-hmm. that's the only way this case was solved. Sometimes that's what it is. It's you see this so often that the parents they have to fight. They will, have to be the advocate. Will fight and keep on and talk about and it's just. It, I mean, good for them. Right. It shouldn't have to be that way, but I'm glad. No, it shouldn't, but... I'm glad they got something done. So every state maintains its own CODIS software according to the laws for that state, as well as rules established federally. DNA profiles can be added to the software in various categories, such as forensic or crime scene samples, convicted offenders samples, unidentified human remains, and relatives of missing persons. So Vermont's DNA laws are often more restrictive than those of other states Hmm. due to their increased expectation of privacy. So if an investigator has questions regarding anything in CODIS, they have to contact the lab directly. Like they're very private. Like they don't just let whoever have access to it. When a match is confirmed as a hit, the report directs investigators to provide a reference sample from for direct comparison in the case. So why they probably needed that cigarette butt and, you know, it was a hit, but they need mm-hmm. more definitive. The cost of testing kits and investigating the cases that are generated in CODIS hits is $2,205 per case and a cost of $50,000 per victim. That's how much it costs to run CODIS. Wow. I didn't know. Is that expensive? No, I didn't either. So the National DNA Index contains over 14,541,796 offender profiles. Holy crap. And 4,341,864 arrestee profiles. And 1,103,683,000 forensic profiles as of April of this year. All of that DNA. That's a lot. That's a shitload. Mm. So, and Lacey's because she <laughs> did that test. <laughs> Every time I get an email from them, I'm thinking, oh, God. they found someone. But it's always just like, you're like, is this a sibling? It's like, oh, connect with this or update your blog. It's never anything interesting. I'm like, oh, I guess that's. What was I, what was I reading or. I don't remember if it was a show I was watching or something I was reading or or some shit about the guy that used his semen at he he ran the fertility clinic. Oh yeah, yeah. And used his <sighs> semen mm-hmm. and how that all came about was somebody like you uploaded her shit <laughs> and it all came out and then it was like all these people in the surrounding areas like so many people were her so siblings, and then it was proven that he had implanted his semen into his biological daughter. Ugh, because she had went. Did he know it was his biological daughter? He had to have Ugh. because she, her mother had used him, and so her mom's like, "That's oh, how I got you." My God, and so she suggested that she go, and he was just in the room, like Ew. beating off. Did the kid have any deformities? I don't know. But, you know, allegedly he was part of that whole quiverful movement where it was like, we must repopulate the earth (laughs) with- We must have as many- We must have as many children to get to heaven. But yeah. Mm. But it's like she uploaded, you know, this one person 
And she said anytime she gets like a hit or something on her ancestry or whatever it is that she's always like. Can you imagine what hers looks like? Because yeah, there's a million yeah relatives, like, yet yeah, literally thousands. And she's like, I'm, oh. I'm about to ruin somebody's life. Oh my god! Yeah, like you're my sister, but also your mother was basically raped. Oh, so that's yeah, horrible. Yeah, my DNA isn't that exciting. It isn't. I mean, good. I'm glad. It's very... My parents are who they say they are. There's no lies There's detected. No, There's no lies. Uh, no. It's pretty basic over very, here. I, I don't know. I I kind of want to do it just because curiosity is getting to me, but... Well, I also... Well, I've done... I have Ancestry and 23andMe and I did the health thing Uh-huh. because it tells you... Which is a double-edged sword. I even tell people if they're older and there's not a whole lot they can do at that point. Why Why give yourself anxiety? Yeah. But like I did it and I found out I'm a carrier of cystic fibrosis. And then I also – I don't have the BRCA gene, the Uh breast cancer thing, which was something I was – Concerned about? Not concerned, but just I wanted to know if Mm -hmm. I had it or not. And I mean, my mom hasn't had breast cancer and my – Grandmothers have not, but there's plenty of people in my family that have had breast cancer. So I was like, well. And then you hear those stories like my friend had breast cancer and she has zero family history. Yeah. Nothing at all. Well, sometimes not it's a not smoker, the gene. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to do with any of that and, and was diagnosed at like 39. Mm. So it's like, ugh. Yeah. But then, you know, you have those people who do carry that mm-hmm. that are like, I'm getting a hysterectomy and a mastectomy, and they call it radical. And I'm like, don't we need a different word? That's they're not being mm-hmm. radical; they're being preventative. Well, for a while, Twenty Three and Me they got into trouble for showing that gene, so they stopped doing it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to pay that much money for my DNA until they have that again. So once they why did they figured get- it out? Well, I guess because some people were getting mastectomies Mastectomies. and stuff, and. As if, if you want to do it as a preventative, do it. I, if I knew for a fact, like yeah. my mother or my aunt, my grandmother, like you've had multiple people in your I family. I would have done that too. I would do it. Just get them both off and cut this shit off. Get some we fakies can, in there. Just, the, these are the real ones tried to kill me. Yeah. These are fake. That's, that's why I'm not going to blame you. I don't either. Whatever you want to do. I know. If it's preventative, who? Or what? Or, or not? What are we I do don't we're care. spiraling. We're spiraling. I don't care if you cut your boobs off, man. I don't care. Sometimes I want to cut mine not off same. for no good especially reason, especially in the summer. I know. I'm like, I can't you can't do put the them in a sweat. Can't put them in a ponytail. I want to tie them in a messy bun. <laughs> They're not that big. <laughs> no, I don't want these. Yeah. This Anyways, has, this is taking a turn. It wow. is. What's new with you? Anything? She's going to New York. I'm going to New York. This will come out when I'm flying back. So oh. it's too late to give me advice. Yeah, There's a group of us. I tried to peer pressure Ashley into going, but she's not. Maybe I'll convince her in the next two days. No. <laughs> it's too late. You're like, oh, okay, I'll go. Uh, It'll be fun. It's going to be so fun. I'm so excited for you I've guys. never been before. Are you so. going to go to like the Museum of Death or whatever? <gasps> It's, I didn't even know that was I there. I think it's there. I w- See, the thing is, we're only there for a very limited amount of days, and we're there during Christmas time, so we want to see all the Christmas stuff. There's too much to do, so I don't know. If it's there- I don't know if I can convince- Morbid Anatomy Museum. Girl. 
I've been to one in Philly. I can't remember the name of it. It's oh, like a German name, but it was a really cool museum. I can't. If you don't go to this and you're Uten, there. This, it was a really funky uh, one where they had bodies and headless – or Siamese twins and glass jar. It was – this freaky. I can't remember the name of it. Well, that's now the, I know. I didn't know that was That's the kind of weird there. shit I want to do whenever I go to places. I would probably record stores and murder museums. Well, I would probably lose <laughs> the bet or not lose the bet, but take there's polls taken on what we do because we just want to be together. Uh, no one else is going to want to do that except me. If I went, I would go. Yeah, there's that's the thing. No one's going to want to see weird stuff. Well, I figure if you have to go to Broadway with those Nelly Queens, they should go to a murder <laughs> museum with you. <laughs> some people, re- I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to some Broadway show called It's a Beetlejuice. Some people are like, oh, I would God. love to see. Beetlejuice. No, it's cool. It's exciting, but I'm not a Broadway person. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're going to Broadway. It's, it's fine. You're like, it's whatever. We're pretty close, I guess. That's, I might, yeah. <laughs> My sister-in-law loves Broadway, yeah. and she's like, oh, my gosh, if you get close enough to the confetti, catch some. And I'm like, huh? And then what? Carry it back? She says people put it in baggies and keep it. I'm like, is I'm this like that. stuff I can sell? And she's like, no, give it to me. It's weird. I'm like, what do I do You're, with confetti? That's, it. that's your Christmas gift. <laughs> just go. I know. I'm like. <laughs> go to Party City and just buy some. <laughs> well, it says Beetlejuice on it, I guess. Oh. It's like. I guess that's a thing. I don't know. I don't I've either. never been to Broadway. I'm excited for you guys. I really am so jealous I'm not going. I'll give you the lowdown next time. And when we go, we'll go to the Museum of Death when it's warmer outside. Yes. So the Christmas time will be fun, but still, like, it's going to be freaking cold. It's going to be freezing. I bought a big ass parka to wear. It's I taken up half wear- your suitcase. Oh, it is. I was going to wear it out here over the weekend and I put it on. And I'm like, this is not an Arkansas coat. You're this is sweating. ridiculous. I look silly. I look like I'm about to go like snow sledding <laughs> in Alaska or something. I'm like, I can't wear this here. So I hope it's cold enough. It anyway, will be. Where are we next week? Oh, For, is it Virginia? Virginia. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, it is Virginia. I don't have a case yet. I do. Oh, boy. You're oh, always boy. prepared. No, I'm not. Not always. We're next week in Virginia. Lacey's in New York. I'll be in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> Let trying us know to find, where you are. Yeah, trying to find something to watch. Yeah. I did recently. Um, I watched all of Wednesday. Have you watched it? I'm, it's so I'm, good. I'm in the process of watching it. I have a it's, lot more episodes left. It's but. so good. I really enjoyed it. I have more to see. And then I started watching Black Mirror. <gasps> You've never watched never Black Mirror? saw it. Oh, my gosh. You oh. I'm almost done with it now because I've been binging Wait, it. Wait, all of it? Yeah. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? I mean, it's dark. There are some that I'm like- Some are bad. This is dumb as fuck. Some, there's definitely uh, some episodes per season that are, I mean, can we just say the pig, episode two, the pig episode with the prime minister, the worst one oh, probably. Oh, when he was, had to do what, yeah, that's not, that's like, not for me. I'm like, you're coming in hot is number two? Yeah, This no. should have not even been on here. And I didn't, I, I just started it oh, and it started gosh. from like the last episode and so I went backwards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. It is very good. I want more seasons. I know. And some of the seasons on Netflix, there's only like three episodes. I think yeah. that's how I binged it so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. So, true. but yeah, I like Man. it. It's good. It's very weird. It is. Very sci fi. 
Oh. I like the little thing that they put on and go into the. But you, I remember you saying when I watched. Um, Some of them are just so. What's freaky. the one movie that I told you about? Don't worry, darling. And I was like, they put this little thing, and you're like, oh, like Black yeah. Mirror. And I was like, I never seen yeah. that. And that's what made me see it on oh, TV. Okay. And I was like, Lacey told me. And so, yeah, it's exactly like that. Some like an alternate universe. Very mm-hmm. weird. It's cool. I need some suggestions, people. Yeah, send us in. I'm having a dry spell, too. I'm watching Wednesday, but I'm watching it slowly because I don't have any other yeah. prospects. Samuel and I have been watching um, The White Lotus on HBO. What is that about? I, I have seen people. It's so weird. I don't I've even know. i seen people talk about it, and I'm like, what is this? Am I going to watch this? It's – I don't even know how to explain it. I'll it's watch. Good. I'll watch episode one tonight. It's like – I don't even know how to explain it. It's a very weird – Rich people doing weird stuff. My favorite thing and ever. And it's kind of comedy, but in a weird way. I don't know. I have no idea what the genre is, but I like it. I'm going to watch it. But it's worth a watch. But anyway, we'll Anyways. be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.